When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Kenny, the last two Browns games, I hosted the Browns backers here. You're a little bit under the weather. And every week when you guys host the Browns backers, what you do is a lot of trivia questions. You give away a lot of door prizes. And I had a lot of great stuff to do. So I was looking at this, and everybody was talking about these Joe Flacco jerseys. Now, I didn't have one, but I got to thinking, okay, Joe Flacco wears number 15. What other famous or sometimes we could say infamous players for the Cleveland Browns, wore number 15. So I started looking, and I remember when I was a ball boy back in 1980, 1981, there was a punter by the name of Steve Cox, wore number 15. And then okay. I went back, and I don't know who else. Okay, you remember Phipps to Pitts? Mike yes. Phipps wore number 15 back in 1970. We were young kids. Right, and then I right. looked a little bit further, and our yeah. next guest also donned the number 15 for your Cleveland Browns, the one and only member of our team as well, number 15 in your program, number one in your heart, the one and only Mark Miller. How are you, Mark? Happy New Year. Oh, man, what a, what a lead-in. Happy New Year Woo! to you guys, too. I, I, was, I had a pen in my hand. I was, listening, I was going to write down the other 15 you gave me because those are the only ones I can remember as well because everybody asked me at the Hall of Fame, Hey, you wore 15. Who else wore 15? Well, Flacco's making it famous these days. Mark, what's it like when you see that number and people walking around with it? Ah, oh, looks great. Um, you know, I, I, Flacco playing for the Ravens never excited me, but I always kind of liked him. You know, I mm-hmm. thought he was a, a, a real solid guy that, uh, you know, didn't show a lot of emotion. And, and, you know, so when the Browns signed him, I, I was okay with that. I was kind of cool with that. I knew he had a big arm, but golly, has he exceeded expectations. So, they were. I was up at that game last week, last Thursday, and they were chanting Flacco the whole stinking game. It was amazing. <laughs> Mark Miller, our guest, we're talking about his days with the Cleveland Browns as the backup quarterback to Brian Sipe, and he donned that number 15. Why 15, Mark Miller? Why, why did you pick 15? Well, that's what I wore in college. When I was in high school, I was number 12 because I was a Joe Namath uh, nut. I nice. love Joe Namath, the way he played. And uh, I got to Bowling Green, and I found out that number 12 wasn't available. An older guy had it on the defense, and so I had to pick another number, and I don't know why I picked 15. They, may have, they probably gave it to me. That's probably mm-hmm. why I have it. But uh, then I wore that for four years. When I went to the Browns, it was available, and I'll never remember. I'll never forget the equipment guy. I said, ah, I'd like to have number 15. He said, you do know that was Mike Fifth's number. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. That was Mike Fifth's number, but. It didn't work out for him. didn't work out real well for me either, I guess. But it's working out real well for, for Joe Flacco. Mark, let's talk a little bit about Joe Flacco. Let's talk about this Kevin Stefanski offense. I think he fits it well. I don't know if he would have this kind of success anywhere else in the league, and that's probably why halfway, maybe even further through the season, he wasn't hooked up with another NFL team. What makes him so successful in this offense right now? Well, you know, this is kind of what Stefanski ran with the Vikings. So I think this is a little bit more in his comfort level than what he was trying to design to showcase Deshaun Watson's abilities. And why is Joe Flacco uh, so successful? Uh, Experience, man. He has been there. He has seen it. Uh, he has that type of personality. He's not going to get too high, too low. You you look him on, on the bench, you don't know if he just threw a touchdown or an interception. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every now and then he'll smile a little bit. But uh, I just think that he uh, is such a steadying influence 
at a position that the Browns have not had much consistency for a long, long time. And uh, the, the team has reacted to him. What he's done, uh, you know, when, the one thing that I was concerned about when they signed him was he's immobile. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, man, the offensive line's all beat up. I mean, how is he going to survive? Well, he gets the ball out so quick because he sees and he reads. And, and uh, you know, Stefanski, if he's not coach of the year, he's got to be in second place, right? And I know he does things that drives us all nuts, and play calling is one of them sometimes. But if you think about what he's had to do with his game plan week in and week out because different people have been injured, uh, he loses linemen, he loses his tackles, he can't, you know, playing against a team with a great pass rush. He loses the guy you can hand it to 20, 25 times a game when Chubb goes down. He loses Amari Cooper when he looks like he's an all-world receiver. He just keeps adapting his play calling and his uh, and his uh, game plan to fit what's going on, and they're they're in about every game. And they, I mean, for them to be, have the record they are is shocking to me. Uh, it, it's been a great, great, a lot of fun watching those guys. And and uh, I got to give props to Safansky. He has uh, really done a good job, I think, along with the other coaches too. Standout quarterback at Kent South High School is Mark Miller. He went on to play at Bowling Green and then the Cleveland Browns. Also had a stint in the USFL. Mark, what age were you when you stopped playing competitive football? Ooh, that's a good question. My last year was 83 um, with the USFL Michigan Panthers. They, they offered me a contract to come back the following year because we won it, and they didn't want to change things. You know how that goes. Mm-hmm. When things are going good, they want to keep it the same and and Bobby Bear, the starting quarterback, who was really, really good in the USFL and really good in the NFL, uh, he and I had a really nice uh, football relationship. And, and I really was uh, – I had the headphones. I was on the sideline mm-hmm. with headphones to the offensive coordinator upstairs. And so I really was more of a coach than a player even that year, prepping for my co- uh, coaching career that I was going to start right after that season ended at Bowling Green. And so in uh, – what was – I guess I was 20 20- – Five, twenty-six. Okay, so okay. still very young, and I was just wondering. I mean, oh, yeah. the wear and tear on a thirty-nine-year-old quarterback. I know it's only been six, seven games, but I mean, what must this be wreaking havoc on a guy like at this size in his age? Don't you think? Yes, I do. And uh, you know, there's there's a plus to him sitting on the couch for those first ten weeks or twelve weeks or whatever it was, and, and that was he was staying healthy. Uh, and so now he's going to get another rest against the Bengals this week and, and hopefully more than one playoff game. But, uh, yeah, he's taken some shots, but he's also a smart guy. He knows how to take a shot. He knows how to fall. And uh, there's a lot to be said for that, you know, to stay healthy. And, and plus, he's huge. I mean, this guy is a monster of a guy, 6'6-something. So, um, yeah, it, uh, you're, you're exactly right. Him, uh, the wear and tear on that body. We, we saw it with Brady, and, you know, he was a freak of nature. Had every, you know, nutritionist and workout guy in, in, in America working on his team, and, and he still, you know, t- wore down at the end. All right, I've got to ask you, what number did you wear when you were with the Michigan Panthers, Mark Miller? 15, 15. You stayed with 15? Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Because I, I was now, just here, – Here's something just a little different. I went all to right. Green Bay. I got traded from the Browns to Green Bay, and you know why I can't wear 15 in Green Bay, right? Uh, some Bart guy by the name of Bart Starr. That's right. That's right. That was retired. And so I had to pick another number. And so for one season on the injured reserve with the Green Bay Packers, I was number 18. 
Well, that's the reason we bring this up, too, because we were thinking yeah. about Jeff Driscoll, and we thought at first that his number was going to be 19. Now, we know Bernie Kosar's number is not retired. There aren't that many numbers that are retired, but is there some type of a clause to where there isn't a number retired that, hey, we're not going to give – I can't believe the Browns would give out number 44. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I think a lot of it is is probably the team's decision. Uh, but if it's not formally retired – uh, they can go ahead and, and use it again. And uh, and I know that the Packers, they had retired so many low numbers. Mm-hmm. If you think about the guys that they mm-hmm. retired, Starr and Don Hudson and some of those other single-digit guys from the old days, um, they, they, they had, I heard that they were starting to come out with, well, we retired it for 50 years or 40 years or something, oh, and now wow. we're going to bring it back into circulation. So, you know, teams, the, the, the more we go on, the more trouble they get themselves into retiring numbers. But – I think uh, out of respect for some of their former players, they probably don't reissue a number for a while at least, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody wore 17 for a while after Brian Seif was there. Um, you know, I, I think it's just a team respect thing, and, and certainly Bernie deserves some of that respect. Mark, you're still working at the Pro Football Hall of Fame? I am. You ever walk by any of those exhibits and go, man, there's a jersey I'd love to, you know, maybe just have in my collection? I mean, is there anything that just gives you that wow factor when you walk into work? Every day. Every day I'm wowed in that place. Uh, I walked, I was in there today, walking my uh, nephew's uh, daughters through. And, uh, you know, I go into the bus gallery. And, uh, you know, I just, just the amount of respect uh, I have for those guys, the guys that were my heroes when I was young, um, is amazing. And the Hall of Fame has that uh, in spades, right? I mean, every exhibit is just history, oozing uh, history and, and, uh, yeah, I, I still walk by, you know, quarterbacks. I'm a quarterback, right? I still walk by Joe Namath stuff, you know, Elway, Manning. I mean, I just uh, love to watch those guys play. And, and uh, things come back to my mind when I see their exhibit. I put on their video and I just say, golly, you know, I remember watching that game on TV with my dad or my brother or my wife or whatever, you know, and it's just so cool. Happy to have with us Mark Miller. He's our radio football analyst. High school football had a great year this year with Mark and Bells and Denny Kincaid with Maslin winning, uh, you know, the state championship. And I, I wanted to get your input on this, uh, Mark, because not only did they win the state championship, Nate Moore won the national coach of the year this year from Max Preps for the job that he did going 16-0 and and beating St. Ed's as well as hoping to win the, the state title. Now looking back on it as some, uh, you know, the dust has settled, just your thoughts on what Maslin accomplished and what Nate accomplished after a shaky start to the season. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I remember him at uh, the preseason coaches uh, banquet that you emceed. And uh, somebody, I don't know, maybe it was you or maybe somebody else said something about, uh, you know, the adversity they went through in the summer and would that negatively affect his team. And he basically said, I don't know, you know, and he was going to wait and find out because those things can, and he had a little bit more in the season, you know, with, with DeWan, you know, and his right. eligibility question marks. But, you know, it can make a team go one of two ways. And we're seeing it on the collegiate level with Michigan, right? Yep, um, yep. If you run into problems, you can either circle the wagons, and it's you against everybody, and Maslin has those shirts, right? Remember in the pregame, Kenny? And Jason, yeah. you were up there, too? Mm-hmm. We saw them. They come out in those orange shirts where they say, a Maslin against the world or something like that. I don't know what it says. But Michigan did the same thing. So you can either get stronger as a result of that, and team chemistry and team loyalty and love for your, your teammates and coaches 
get stronger or it goes, you know, it goes to heck. You know, I mean, it just breaks apart the first time you, 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 you lose a game. Now, they never lost a game, but they were in some tough situations. And I think they dug down deep, relied on each other, and became stronger and better for it. And, uh, heck, we remember the first time we saw them play against Glen Oak, we said, whoa, this defense, right. they're pretty good. And then what they did against St. Ed's, and, and uh, it's all – you can't say you expected them to win the state championship, but it did, didn't surprise us, right, guys? I mean, they were no. good. They were really, right. really good. And uh, the only thing that you worried about was, was Dorian Pringle not going to be able to play in the state championship uh, because of the injury, and he's so key to that team against a great, great Hoban team. Heck, not only did he play, he just lights out dominated, you know, so – um, that was that was a lot of fun, and and uh, you know kudos to to Nate and that whole coaching staff because they did go through adversity. They came out the other end, and now they got a state championship. And any award that they're getting, they deserve. And guess what, Mark? They don't win that game without Dorian Pringle playing in that contest over Hoban. I think. Speaking yeah. of which, too, and you're talking about awards. How about National Defensive Player of the Year by SB Live, Dorian Pringle? There you go. Yeah. yeah it, it, Mark, is he still headed to your, your alma mater? He hasn't changed. Is he a BG? Is he a Falcon? You know what? I haven't talked to anybody up there to ask that question, but that's an important one. And that early yeah. period, you know, would just pass. His name might be on the dotted line. It might not be, but he would be a day one starter for the Bowling Green Falcons. That's my prediction. All right. Take me back to Bowling Green. There was a couple of players, or at least one I know for sure, that you played with that was from Maslin. I don't recall the 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 man's name but i see him at the gym every day and he asks about you i played with a bunch of masculine guys at bowling green don nealon from stark county was Mm -hmm. our head coach he recruited this area heavily okay when i was a freshman there were eight of the starting 11 guys on offense from stark county can you believe that wow eight of the 11 i played with steve studer he was my center for two years remember him his uh his son and nephew i think are on the staff now joe studer replaced steve my last two years so i tell people i took snaps from a studer butt for four straight years is steve <laughs> is steve the one that passed away who was the strength steve coach the one that okay away, yeah. all right he was the weight coach okay and then i played with rob stefan was a tight end Artie thompson was a defensive back I played with Dave Kulik, who was an offensive That's guard. That's it, Dave. Is that who you're talking That's about? That's it, yes. Kuhls, he was a guard my freshman year. He was a senior, one of the guys that took care of me. You know, yeah. I'm 17 years old. I'm mm-hmm. in the huddle. I'm scared to death. And he was a guy who would put his arm around me and say, come on, we got you, rookie. Yes. You know, let's go. Let's go play. So they took good care of me. Those are great, great guys. And I, I do remember the Maslin guys saying this, though. We'd go to, like, uh, I don't know, Eastern Michigan. And there'd be like 7,000 people there. Oh, yeah. And they'd say, holy cow, we get more people than this for a practice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that will, and we saw the entire city of Maslin turn out for that game, right? We had, what, 15,000, yeah. I think, uh, you know, for that uh, state championship game somewhere in that vicinity. Oh, okay. And then the parade and everything afterwards and celebrating their first ever playoff win. Now they don't have to hear that uh, question being thrown their way anymore. And um, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, uh, Follow, trying to follow that up now, right, to see if they can go back-to-back. Yeah. And what's impressive is what St. Ed's has done. And I know it's a parochial school, and I don't, you know, I, I, I can, you know, get into an argument over whether or not uh, parochials should be in the same as publics. But, hey, when you go back-to-back-to-back like St. Ed's did, three consecutive years, uh, that, that's pretty impressive. And the fact that uh, Maslin's beaten them 
in back-to-back years as well may be even more impressive for Maslin, Mark. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And, and you know, what I also a thought crossed my mind when you were talking about that, Kenny, is you know who really um, uh, deserves this is the fan base at Maslin. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. no, no playoff champion until this year. They show up every year, every week, every event, on the road, at home. Well, there's not very many on the road, but at home. <laughs> um, and, and they have been so loyal in big, big numbers, and now they get to say, yes, we are state champions. That's, that's pretty cool. It just goes to show you how hard it is to just not only win it, but to get there first and then win it. And we look for more yeah. great things from that team. But, Mark, I want to also ask you about your alma mater in Canton South. And what a great ride that was. Ooh, boy. Oh. And you know the way it worked out. And, and, you know, people don't know how games are picked for us each week. You guys know how you're, you're part of that. I just go where you guys tell me to. But um, we the way it worked out, we got to do some Canton South games down the stretch, which was really cool for not, not – not only the station, because they were great games, but uh, for me, being a graduate from there and, uh, you know, getting to see some people that I know at the game in the stands and, and you know, watching Poochie play. I mean, it was uh, it was a dream year, the greatest ever, and I don't know how you'll ever top it. Um, ever's a long time, but, man, we waited a long time to have a team this good, and, and uh, that was just a thrill. And I'm, I'm so thankful to you guys and Pam and everybody else that said, hey, we're going to send the radio guys to do Canton South. I was pumped every time. <laughs> yeah, that, they were a blast to watch. Coach Dennison, phenomenal. He was our coach of the year in Stark County for WHBC, and Poochie was player of the year, deservedly so. Uh, and uh, as we've talked about before, Mark, a lot of the Stark County teams that got knocked out of the playoffs, eventually uh, their team that beat them won a state championship. Glenville, right, beat Canton South. Yeah. Yeah, uh, knock yeah. them out. Uh, you, you look at, uh, you know, Lake lost to Maslin. Well, they're state champs. Uh, and yeah. so uh, a lot of the um, McKinley lost to St. Ed's, who won a state championship. So uh, I know it's not the same, but at least you can say you lost to the state champ your, your last year maybe at, at high school. Well, you bring up a great point, and that does show the strength of Stark County teams. We always say it, but it, it uh, is bore out in, in the results and the stats, and uh, it, it is so much fun. And I've told you guys this, but I want to tell you again how thrilled I am to be a part of WHBC and do these games. Uh, I moved away for 30 years, and I'm back. And uh, my buddy Joe Shaheen, that was also a broadcaster and a masculine independent sports writer, said, uh, Mark, you, you broke the mold. You can come home again because I <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed uh, doing the games. Many of them, almost all of them, the exact same location that I played at when I was in high wow. school. Now, how about that? same right mm-hmm. their turf their bigger stands but uh you know only i think fairless moved uh, down the road a little bit uh, but all the other stadiums are about in the same spot and so for me to drive in there get ready to do a game i have flashbacks of when i was in high school sure. playing and uh that that's, that's really special for me so thank you to you guys for first, allowing me to be a part of the crew first it was lebron james and then mark miller comes home man and we love having <laughs> you we love having you as part of our team as, as well and I, I just have one final question that i'd like to ask you and we started this whole conversation by the fact that joe flacco wears your number 15 for the cleveland browns do you still have any of those old jerseys well, you know what? Uh, memorabilia wasn't a big deal when I played. I mean, when you left, you didn't get your helmet. You didn't get your jersey. They, they kept it and gave it to someone else, you know? <laughs> I remember when I got traded, I'm walking out of the locker room, and the equipment guy comes out and goes, Mark, Mark. He said, here. And he hands me the nameplate from above my locker. Of course, they couldn't <laughs> use that, right? And I was thrilled to death to get that. I still have it. 
don't have, I did have my own helmet because a Bowling Green graduate worked for Bike in the day, and that's when nice. the helmets we wore. And he sent me a helmet for the Cleveland Browns. I took that with me to Green Bay. They painted it yellow. Nice. So my Cleveland Browns helmet is actually yellow now. Then wow. my Green Bay helmet, Green Bay helmet came in from Bike. I took it to the USFL and had them paint it silver. So I've got a couple of imposter helmets sitting in my nice. basement down there. But uh, I do have a couple of helmets. Uh, the Browns gave me a replica number 15 Miller jersey when they came back in 19, what was it, 99 or whatever. Um, and I got a Bowling Green jersey that they gave me when I got inducted into the Ring of Honor. Awesome. That's about all I got. Imagine, you imagine how cool this would have been. That would have been not a locker room assistant, maybe some little kid, and he threw you a Coke, and you would have got your jersey. <laughs> Can you imagine how your life would have changed? You could have been like Frank, or who was the guy, Kenny, in the commercial? Mean Joe Green. Mean Joe Green. Green. You would have yeah. been a multi-gazillionaire. Oh, man. Hey, I'd have, I'd have shared that with you guys. I'd have taken <laughs> you to dinner if I'd have got that money from that. That's nice of you to say, Mark oh, Miller. We boy. appreciate that. Hey, Mark, uh, it's uh, fun working with you as yeah. well. We have a great time when we do our games. Looking forward to year number 80 of high school football, uh, and it'll be here before you know it. We're already into 2024. We'll be having that meeting to, to schedule all the games before you know it, Mark. Yeah, buddy. Can't wait. It's awesome. I love listening to you guys. Keep up the good work. All right. Thank you. There he is, the original number 15 for the Cleveland Browns. Forget Joe Flacco. Flacco fever. Miller. It was Miller mania back in the day when he wore number 15. No, it's the original Miller time, Kenny, and that's what it was, and it will (laughs) always be. And can you imagine, you know, I dreamt about this my entire life, and I had the opportunity to work a couple of summers at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He makes a great point. Can you imagine walking through there? And and forget about the, the actual Hall of Fame and looking at all the busts. I mean, they usually change displays quite frequently somebody gets a like i would have to imagine and i don't know for a fact but when amari cooper had that standout game a couple of weeks ago that football a lot of times goes straight to the pro football hall of fame for about a week or two it's put in like a kiosk or something and then it goes back to the team and then maybe back to that player but i mean it's so amazing and don't ever take it for granted because it changes quite often and it's so much uh, nostalgia in history and we've got it right here and how cool is it that he played in the league and he's oh, yeah. working there now, so he has more of an appreciation for it than you and I do because he went through the two days in the training camps and played for the Browns right. and the Packers. Think about that. He played for the Packers and the Browns, right? He was on their roster, right. two of the greatest teams, uh, you know, when you talk about the history of the National right. Football League. Something else with the Hall of Fame, and I know a lot of people that work over there, what they're trying to accomplish now and thank goodness for the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame Village and everything else that they're doing right now is one of the things that they'd like to do is bring back former players, mostly former Hall of Famers, to walk the halls. Can you imagine? I mean, we were there a couple of weeks ago. I shouldn't say weeks. This is more like a couple of months ago. There's Ozzie Newsome. I mean, there's Ozzie Newsome right there. And they're trying to do more of that to whereas you just go in there and then all of a sudden, can you imagine you're walking down the hallway, you turn around, there's Joe Namath. Right. Be kind of cool. I mean, come on. Yeah. They they should do like a, a, a just a special week. Hey, every day this week we're going to have a different Hall of Famer walking, you They're know, trying uh, to. the halls. That's you know? what I'm saying. And, and, they want yeah. they want to try to accomplish that and do it all the time, not just once every couple of weeks. They want to have some people. That's why one of the reasons when they first developed the idea for the Hall of Fame Village, that one of them was going to be, I don't want to call it a retirement home, but a community for some of these people that might want to come back and live here. 
Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, man. Uh, let's hope that they're able to uh, achieve that and get uh, something accomplished like that because that would add uh, just another reason, you know, to go check it out. And if you haven't been and you're a football fan, and now that Joe Thomas is in there, right, reason to go see uh, uh, the latest Brown who got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you got to go check it out, man. We sat there and we watched Joe Namath. That, that, what was that, 3D thing or whatever we watched? It was a hologram. It's, a hologram. it's an That's actual, it. I forget the, the name of the exhibit. It's something about, it's a locker room experience. Yeah. He comes out and he introduces different players in different eras, and you think he's literally right there. Yeah, it, it's very, it really I mean, neat. it's weird, but cool in the same, you know, uh, same breath, man. And uh, they just do such a great job. And, and that, you know, continues to grow over there with the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame Village uh, and everything surrounding.